Hello and welcome to My Rural Tribe with Sean Mercer, the podcast that celebrates all things rural, the people that live and work within it and whose passion I find inspiring. I'm your host Sean Mercer, photographer by day and podcaster by night with a lifelong passion for all things farming. I come from a family of farmers and have worked within the industry all my life and to me it's just like coming home. I bring you this podcast because I'm basically nosy and want to learn more about what makes a farmer, where does that passion come from and what does being a farmer mean to them and to find out their story. To me, farmers are heroes and I want their stories to be heard. In today's podcast, I'm speaking to Abby Reader, dairy farmer, industry spokesperson, representative and now MBE. Abby is one of those people I find so inspiring. How she fits so much into one day, I'll never know. From keeping a social media presence to highlight dairy farming to the public, to being the new NFU dairy chairperson, being called on to interview at moment's notice and organising cows on tour, and just being a great friend. So welcome, Abby. Um, thank you very much for joining me uh, tonight. and thank coming. You, and having a chat with me. I know you're a busy, busy lady. Uh, so Abby Reader, dairy farmer uh, by day and also so much more by day as well. So a uh, spokesperson, representative, social media wizard, cows on tour and uh, and lots of award winners as well. Most notably your MBE, which you received a few weeks ago. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you, Sean. It's very honoured. Yeah. How how did that feel? So we might as well jump straight into the MBE. How how was that? So the MBE, well, the, the whole experience of, of, well, even the preparation for going up to Buckingham Palace was a bit mind-boggling. Uh, the thought of wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen likes a hat. Up to London with my aunt, so it's my mum's sister, and my cousin and my sister. Yeah. It was just very bizarre. We were all very smartly dressed. You know, you arrive up in London outside Buckingham Palace and you're queuing with all these other people who were incredibly smartly dressed as well and, and walking through the gates and then through that main door and, and realising that you are in probably one of the most amazing sort of venues of history in the whole of the UK. And uh, we were treated like royalty in there. As you go in, you're parted off from your family. Uh, and sent off to a room with other recipients of either an MBE or there were a few um, CBs and OBs there as well. So very honoured to be amongst all of those people. In good company. Um, yeah. And the, the people there were, were so lovely. You know, they, they, I say they drilled us. They just made sure that everybody absolutely knew what they were doing so no one panics. And there was literally a person with you every step of the way. And you got to walk through these corridors and Buckingham Palace and look up at these amazing oils of, of history of in various kings and queens, christenings and coronations and all sorts of history. I think my favourite one, though, there was a painting there with... Uh, it looked like a British freezing cow lying on a bank. <laughs> and the bank. And that was very cool. And it was quite comforting to see that. And what was also quite cool was uh, I ran into a fellow Welsh farmer. Oh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, who was there also receiving an MBE. I thought it's typical. You come all the way to London and you still run into a really farmer. Oh, <laughs> they're everywhere. They get everywhere. Yeah, they do. And they we queued up. Um, the whole process took about an hour and a half. Uh, they went through 50 of us and we went to these 
sort of disappeared in groups of tens so that there wasn't too much of a queue and too much waiting. Yeah. Uh, it was my turn to go up to the Prince Charles was given the award. Oh, fantastic. It, it, yeah, it was it was just it was totally mind blowing. You go into this absolutely glorious room that's about four stories high and there's an orchestra playing, you know, some beautiful music and and your family and other people's family are sat there and it, it's and then there's Prince Charles just sort of stood in front of you and, and you curtsy and walk up to him and he, he asked me various questions and I remember telling him about my cows and how precious they were to me and and then I shook his hand and I walked out and it wasn't until I had got out of that room that I looked up and I was like, oh my goodness, there's, a, there's a, an MBE stuck on my jacket and um, yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing experience. Oh, and very well deserved, Abby. No, thanks, you you do an awful lot for the industry. Uh, it's, I I love it. I I feel like I breathe farming, and I just anything anything to do with it is just something that I just enjoy being involved with. I'm sure there's plenty of your listeners, hopefully that that you know will know exactly what what that means and what that feels like. So what? It's a pleasure. Yeah. So that uh, uh, like breathing farming and it being mm-hmm. like your whole life. So when did that actually start for you? When did you start to get those sort of that deep passion for it? Yeah. Well, in many ways, I'd love to say that I really felt it from when I was little. You know, from when I was sort of two, three, and, and lots of people do. I and I probably did. I mean, I I lived and breathed farming, but I never really realised it was a viable career mm. until I was uh, doing my A levels. Well, I finished my A-levels, actually, and I was on a gap year, and it was literally a chance phone call that somebody told me I could go to an agricultural college and learn about farming and make it my career, that I had any comprehension that that was even possible, uh, which sounds really silly now, looking back, but that was, that was just the way it was. My parents never wanted to pressure me into going into farming, um, and I... I went to quite an urban school, so I lived right on the edge of Cardiff. Yeah. Um, and an urban school certainly had no appreciation, and hopefully it has a better one now, but I'm not sure. Um, certainly had no appreciation of of farming as a as a credible um, career and a vital career, really. Yeah. So, what sort of direction was school trying to send you down then? Well, I can remember doing a skills test. I can't remember what it was called now. But um, you have to do various things like draw a line between two parallel lines and <laughs> fill in the dot. You know, something, something very bizarre. How, count how many rungs were on a ladder and, and various things like that. And it told me that I was going to run a hotel for the rest of my life. Well, um, I suppose uh, really cows on a farm and a hotel could be yeah. quite difficult, keeping them bedded and fed. And <laughs> do you know, I never actually thought about that. <laughs> they got it right. <laughs> yes, they have a hotel for cows instead. <laughs> for your girls yeah. you love them dearly <laughs> you yeah. had that phone call and then you went off to Sirencester is that right? that's right the Royal Agricultural well, the Royal Agricultural College then it's very hard to get out of that habit it's now the Royal Agricultural University I know I was um, um, I was at WAC so you know Welsh Agricultural College and then it became WERS and ERS and it's all sorts of things now so I know it's very complicated they should keep it all the same I know you'll always be <laughs> WAC to me <laughs> It was amazing. I knew, I knew the minute I stepped on that campus, I knew that was where I wanted to be and that's what I was going to be. And the whole, I was there for five years, graduate degree in agriculture, BSc, and uh, an MBA then in farm business management. Oh, because wow. I love the party lifestyle and I didn't really <laughs> want to leave. 
Um, but I, I just the five years that I was there were were amazing. It was very hard to leave, really. It's hard to come back home. It is hard to leave university, especially when it's. Um, I should imagine uh, Siren Cess is a bit like Abba. Actually, it's you know you're contained, aren't you? And all your friends are within that space and the nightlife yeah. and everything is on that campus, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was very, especially when I started, there were only 300 of us in the college. Oh, wow. Um, it was very small. They used to have a pub quiz every Sunday night, and it was always a bit nerve-wracking to make sure that you weren't the subject of that <laughs> quiz. <laughs> so what stays on tour? Oh, no, what goes on tour stays yeah. on tour, or not quite if it's the pub quiz, is it? <laughs> Fortunately, I never made it onto the pub quiz, uh, so that's very good. Yes. Maybe you make it onto the pub quiz now, but for like MBEs and awards and social media yeah. instead. Let's hope. That, that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, from Siren Sester, did you go, did you go straight back to the uh, family farm? Yep. So you can never go through life with regrets. So let's park all them. However, uh, going home was perhaps not the wisest move. Um, I I love being home. Don't get me wrong. I just you know I would encourage anyone just to try and get off farm even if it's just for three or four months mm. uh, and just see how someone else how someone else operates it doesn't even necessarily need to be a farming business although clearly presumably that's what you would choose if you were going into farming um but just get away and make sure that when you go home you've got lots of really different ideas to bring to the table and mm. even if you don't have a chance to air them when you get home uh, keep them in the back of your mind because they will I promise they will come back and you will you know answer those dreams later on it will yeah. happen no I think that's really important um, I um when I was at uni then I went every summer and worked away somewhere else um so I did all sorts of things like worked on farms and worked for a seed company and what have you and then I used to teach as well and I always used to try and get the students you know just go and do your work experience somewhere else in the country or make sure you go and do that like gap year in Australia or New Zealand just yeah. to get that experience and just see how people do things differently so important isn't it it is well it, 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 I know it's hard when you, you carry especially if you're from a family farm you carry the baggage of of that farming family but whilst you're away in at uni you know no one is totally reliant on you so that <clears throat> that is your one chance to, to go so just go away even a month is better than nothing mm, get that plane ticket or even just point the car yeah. in you know a different direction from where home is and go and learn from someone else yeah and you'd be amazed how many people out there are willing to help oh definitely definitely people are always wanting to share aren't they what their knowledge and their skills yeah. i think it's and uh, i think uh, farming is a really good industry for that as well so. Yeah, it is. I, I think we sometimes underestimate how much we do. Oh, completely. So, like, what would be a typical day for you? I mean, you're obviously livestock, you're being <laughs> pretty bit of veterinary, plumbing, mechanic, all sorts, accounts, business running. All that and everything else in between, um, which makes it a very exciting day and very varied. It doesn't often get mundane, which is quite a privilege. Don't, don't know how many other jobs could say that. No. Definitely, it's not like you're sitting uh, inputting data every day or anything, is it? It's a different challenge every day. So when did the love of the cows start? Because, uh, you know, I know you're very passionate about your uh, your girls. I suppose that one was interesting. When I came home, I, I struggled for a little while, maybe, to find my place. Um, I started at the bottom of the pile, which I had no problem with at all. Um, but when you dog body, it's 
quite hard to work out what your specialist interest is. Mm. Um, and the cows are very much my father's job then. I would help him out. Suppose I never really felt like I could intrude on his areas particularly. And I guess for the first two years, there was more opportunity. You know, can you go off and do that bit of groundwork? Or you know, I was doing a lot of tractor driving. Yeah. Uh, I would say I'm not massively into machinery, but it is a little bit exciting when you're, you know, in your early twenties and you yeah. get to get to do a bit of field work. Yeah. Um, the big trailers behind you and driving the big kit. Yeah wasn't really something that I particularly wanted to do long term and I was just lucky really I suppose my father's health started to wane a bit so there was more and more need for me to to give him a bit more support the more I got involved with the cows and the more opportunity I had to participate in some of that decision making and and see some of the effects of of various things that we tried the more interested I got by the time uh, my father then had to step out of out of the equation in farming and I was left to take over it was basically then just get on with it. It was either do that or bust. So when um, your dad had to step away from the farm, were there sort of changes that you made or had he um, been able to pass on his knowledge to you um, before his health um, yeah. deteriorated? Or I suppose, it's, you know, I learned, I learned a lot from my father by just watching him. Um, he never necessarily said, you know, look at this and, and learn and, and this is how we do things. So yeah. it was mainly from watching. When he stepped out of the equation you know I knew I relied on him heavily anyway but it, it became very evident that without him there to to tell me what to do I was going to fail pretty quickly um, and it was a case of you really need to step up now and I was very fortunate I had um, with a fantastic AI technician David Chu yeah. sadly is no longer with us but he was amazing uh, and an amazing nutritionist Richard Gibb with Four Farmers and also my vet originally uh, Becky Witchell, or Becky Riley she is now, and, and now is someone called Morgan Richards. Those four people carried me for probably 18 months oh, wow. through the panic and the, the fear and the, you know, all the problems that I had. They were always at hand, always ready to help. Um, you know, and it's that we're very lucky in the farming community that we have people like that. You know, not necessarily farmers, but people involved in our world who uh, you know will give you a helping hand and give you a boost and I owe a lot to them and they've taught me a lot of what I know now and I suppose taught me that it's okay to ask for help um, and to get some direction and encourage me to do courses and to improve my knowledge so that I could do the best I could with the, the cows that my father had entrusted me to look after. Yes, I like yeah a great team isn't it and that's what farming um, or running a farm is made up of isn't it a team of people who you might be the only one there that's da- there daily but there's a whole team of people yeah. behind that so like you just mentioned the vet the nutritionist you know and then even to the farm mechanic to yeah well I mean the staff. everybody isn't it and you you yeah. do have staff don't you especially the, the staff are amazing you know there's, there's nothing that they wouldn't do for me they're uh, an absolute privilege to be around and they're so supportive of, of other things that i do off farm without them i wouldn't be able to do it mm. so yeah. so how have you course, my mum yeah your mum number one my mum uh jennifer she's incredible um she does make it possible for me to go away and she will man the fort and yeah be stuck without her yeah that's fantastic so you mentioned that you know like having the staff and they would do anything for you um 
so that, you know you do an awful lot of farmers as well but how how have you got to that relationship because i should imagine you know starting at the bottom of the pile and coming back like what do you think um earns that respect yeah i don't know it's, um, we, we have one guy with us who uh who has been working for us since i was about four or five he's just an amazing guy he knows things inside out and there was never you know to sort of to go away and then come back as, as suddenly someone who potentially could be a, could be or, or is a crazy boss one day mm. uh might be quite hard but steve never missed a beat on that um he is so you know incredibly loyal you know the, the rest of the team i have another steve who works for me uh, and uh, a guy called Ross, who I think you've met. Yeah, uh, I met Ross. Met Ross. <laughs> he bought a bo- uh, big box of cakes, I seem to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Top man. So, Ross came in long after my father went sick, and, and I it quickly realised I was going to need some extra help. Yeah. Um, and Ross was one of those guys who stepped up to the mark, and yeah, he, he's another one who's just, you know, been incredibly supportive, and, and again, never really missed a beat, and always said, if you want to do that, I'll be there to you know cover any jobs on the farm and without those people um you know it, it just wouldn't be possible to have my extracurricular activities that i do <laughs> yes and uh coming on to those extracurricular activities you do an awful yeah. lot of them so am i correct in thinking you're now the nfu chair of the dairy board is that that's right, yeah. That's a, a new um, new responsibility for you. Yeah, I got voted into that uh, just before Christmas. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. What sort of things that are they? is that going to entail? Um, well, I did have to, you know, I thought very long and hard about it before I accepted this position because you do need to think about the pressures it puts on back home. But at the same time, you just, I just hunger to be stretching my mind. Uh, it means making sure that, you know, you look out for the opportunities and the, the challenges that will be facing Welsh dairy farmers. Plus, also, obviously, we need to recognise we're part of GB. So to yeah. align ourselves with what is going on elsewhere, or at least be aware of them, um, it means listening to farmers. That's probably the most important thing is, is listening and listening to other stakeholders in the supply chain and trying to join the dots and make us all stronger. So it's quite exciting. It's It's, it's about meeting new people and about stretching boundaries, making a stand where necessary and forward to getting my teeth into that role. I think um, you just sort of said about listening to our farmers. I think listening is like really key words, really important. Yeah. Is that yeah. something that you sort of do? Like you, because you are you are on other boards as well, aren't you? You've got your... <laughs> yeah, so your... I'm uh, chair of SET, which is the Cattle Health Certification Standards. So Roots will set standards for disease testing um, throughout the UK to try and make sure there is an alignment there to sit on the Wales Animal Health and Welfare Framework Group and a number of other various groups. It's about hearing everybody's concerns and again really trying to find a consensus or, or a happy medium or mm. you know, whatever that may be. Sometimes you don't always hear what you want to hear and sometimes you think oh that's you know that's amazing news I'm so glad that you know I could have participated in that. So, so- you know you you have quite a or quite you have a very high profile um and did that all start because you do a lot on social media you're on facebook and instagram you do a lot on that so what sort of came first was it the social media and putting you know your farming story out there or was it being part of these sort of on these boards or do they kind of come hand in hand 
they more or less came hand in hand. I do tend to think sometimes that, that well, certainly in my life, not that I really get particularly philosophical about these things, but life can be defined by certain moments. So, for example, the, the chance phone call that sent me to Agricultural College, that was a, that was a defining moment in my life that, that changed, well, ensured the course I was going to take was the one I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly another defining moment was the actual day that my father went ill, so he has a, a very bad heart, um, which unfortunately was just from extreme work. Um, and on that day and that moment, that changed everything and, and made me realise that I have to step up to the plate. And I suppose it was that moment that it started pushing me. In, I realised how inadequate my knowledge and my skills were, um, particularly when it came to people management. started chasing every course I could lay my hands on, whether it was animal welfare or people management or leadership or anything like that. And the more you the more you learn and the more people you network in those events, the more confidence you have to, to push on. I suppose those people just keep giving you leg a leg up here, there and everywhere. Uh, involved with the NFU then through the SOS Dairy campaign, um, which was back in 2012. I can remember being loaded onto a minibus. You can really understand where I was going or what I was doing. <laughs> but uh, it was a protest and we were going to talk about the appalling milk price. And uh, we got dropped off by the minibus in London and we were crossing the road and I suppose I was I think I was just one girl amongst about 16 guys uh, and I was relatively young there's a camera across the street and they honed in on me it's probably I think we were all in wellies and it was pretty obvious we were farmers <laughs> yes and the camera came over and did an interview with me and I answered a few questions I suppose it got picked up on and, and somebody said, oh, you know, do you fancy doing a radio interview the next day? And then we had our local protests and and I suppose the more I got involved, the more people helped you to, to push ahead. And before I knew it, I was voted in as vice uh, county chair for Glamorgan and a Cymru. Oh. And again, another defining moment because I realised again how inadequate my skills were. And I can remember my very first meeting when I stepped on the chair and I sat in front of a room of about 50 people um, who, they weren't being rude, but, but no one was listening to me. I had no presence in that room. Uh, everyone was just talking away and, and I knew that it was my job to make them all to be quiet and we start the meeting and we proceed and and I opened my mouth to say right we're going to start the meeting and I just looked around the room and I thought I, I can't say anything <laughs> and I just hard. shut my mouth again uh, and I looked around and I, I looked desperately at my county advisor who was next to me Stella and I thought what am I going to do and, and I opened my mouth again and I shut it again and I, it just for a few minutes I was sat there thinking oh my god and and eventually I launched into it and, and we got through the meeting and we finished but uh, I was hopeless and I said to myself that must never happen again when even more training happened and thankfully for from NFU and AHPD um, they offered me social media training I just moved on from there really again people just willing to help you if, if you want to step forward people will will help you and carry you and push you and kick you and will get you forward yeah, because it's also, although in your interest, it's in their interest as well to have a really good uh, representative of the industry, isn't it? And the more people they can have representing certain industries, the better for farming as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's nice for them to, you know, if they've got a particular story that needs to be told, you're not always going to be the person that's going to tell that story. If something else, it gets boring. Mm. But also you'll only have certain, 
you know, you'll have your certain skill. Um, but if they know the people to call on and they know that they've they've got the right skills, it's very easy then to pick up the phone. Can you take care of that? Yeah, go. Yeah. You know, um, rather than sort of having to persuade people and you know cajole and you know, putting putting people in a situation they may not necessarily want to be in. Yeah, because it is um, it is tough, isn't it? Like you know, I used to teach and. September standing in front of a new classroom is oh, daunting yeah, um so let alone then sort of your peers um you know farmers isn't it and even just doing an interview like on the radio or say like this podcast now or tv because you've done a lot of tv um it's hard isn't it it's it's it comes natural i'm sure to very few people but with some training yeah. you you do get there obviously requires it requires doing a lot of practice and I, I really mean that you know you need to do if you're doing an interview you need to do your homework you need to know your facts and figures you need to know what not to say as yes, well as what to, to say because you've uh, obviously uh, the last few months or the last year we've seen a lot of uh, the vegan side yeah. I <laughs> but uh, you are called upon to do some interviews and you've had um, you've been taking part in TV programs you've been on various news channels and sat next to uh, the vegan how I mean I've been amazed at how you keep your cool when you know the facts <laughs> facts or the lies I don't know what the right word is um, I mean I'm just always so impressed with you and how yeah you just sort of keep very calm um, and I'm sure there's lots of people like me who are shouting at that interview <laughs> getting very irate how do you manage to do that yeah I, I'm not massively sure of that I mean in many ways and I say it jokingly but perhaps I'm semi-serious you know when you think about farming succession those are difficult conversations okay talking to mm, a vegan is is not that complicated especially if you as a farmer totally believe in what you're doing which I do um, and therefore it is easy to just speak to those people uh, and not losing your cool is well for me, I'm a relatively passive person, so that's what helps. But yeah. it doesn't help the situation, and all I want is the result. I don't actually care how I get there. So if I have to sit there and take a, a bit of a slapping off someone, I'm not really bothered as long as we get the end result. Um, but yeah, to, you know, there are far more difficult conversations to be had in my book. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there are having, having a vegan conversation. Yeah, when you compare it to that conversation of succession, which many farmers. Well, don't even like that word so we won't we won't dwell on that word at all but uh, yeah that's a hard conversation to have yeah. um so with the social media i was with a small group of farmers the other day and um just sort of saying you know like how um they were sheep farmers and it was just like you know like the well sheep brand is world renowned and we've got to sort of keep pushing that out just you know we don't know what's going to happen in the next year and they were like oh, i just don't have time for social media wanted to get your thoughts on that because you have a really good social media presence we see like little video clips the of the cows and uh, Gwen the dog um, and just sort of daily life really so how do you find time to just put those social media posts out there how important are they for farmers to be doing yeah it, it can be time consuming um, and I'm probably not as good as I should be you know I should be putting up a post every day and certainly if there's a funny moment or you know I'm spending a lot of time the cows are in at the minute and it's so much fun uh, uh, watching them sleeping in cubicles or watching <laughs> them eat or, or things like that um, 
comedy yeah, creatures. Just there for a minute, take a photo. Even if you don't have time to do anything else, take the blooming photo. Or take quite a few if you can get a nice one. Uh, and then when you get five minutes a bit later on, so quite often I've been in the milking parlour and I've got a slow cow, and you think, right, I'm just going to have a quick look at that photo now and, and put a quick sentence out and, and put it up. And sometimes you just have to make the time. You are literally talking 60 seconds and just get a photo because photos are more important than words. Get a yeah, photo and, and chuck it out there. Sometimes if I know there's events coming up, like one event that was environmental success, you had to tweet a photo every day for 30 days. But, uh, and I just thought, right, let's take half an hour now and get a load of photos bank for the month because you haven't got time to go messing about. Mm. And then when I've got five minutes before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning and I'm having a cup of coffee or something, just pull up those photos, write a couple of sentences, and then save them, and, and just get them. I don't know. It's important. We have no option. We are being bombarded by negativity, or it feels like we are. Yeah. Um, we have to do something about it. You can't just sit back and let other people do it. We all need to step forward. And again, you're talking about the job that you love, so it's quite pleasant, really. Yeah. I mean, like uh, a lot of our farmers live in the most beautiful parts of the country, and you know what's not to share such beauty with people, and um, I think really inspire people. um, You know, the non-farmers to just really get a better idea of what farmers are doing, and just like you say, the pitch as a spot. Yeah, I look at some people's photos. In a lot of my photos, if you look at my landscape, there's a pylon everywhere. Yeah. I find quite disappointing. <laughs> you know, some of these people who are out in, in the back beyond, no offence to you like, but uh, <laughs> you've got the most stunning scenery. And I was speaking to uh, a reporter who was from the Financial Times living in the heart of London the other day. And she was telling me how pleasant it is to go on social media and just see farmers put a photo of a sunrise or a sunset or moles in fields or, or crops coming in on tractors. She, you know, she the most mundane things we get fed up with taking photos of sunsets maybe well I'd say I never did Uh, but but people look for it you know they may not even acknowledge that they've seen it but just to have that flash by on their social media leaves a nice image and that's what we want to do we need to leave positive images with people so that they always think of us positively um, rather than all this nonsense that's flying around yeah I, and I think like yeah just you know from saying that so someone living in the middle of a city they don't get to see what farmers are seeing every day and I think when you live in it and your it's your daily life it's your work it's your home you sort of forget um you you just forget how special it is and yeah um you know yeah oh god it's another sheep or it's another cow but actually to someone else that's something fresh and new and yeah I think that's really important actually that we've got to remember that for some people they never get to see that and their daily life is literally the tube thousands of people walking past them and then sitting in an office all day isn't it so they don't get what you get to see no they don't and I think you know don't let that message don't make the message educational people don't need that just Mm. say from the heart this is my sunset or this is my sunrise or yes it's my office it's over you know a couple of hundred acres and i'm growing the best grass in the county or something yeah just you know just say what you see so i know that education is really important to you and you're a real advocate for that so i sort of started um or new abbey through cows on tour and um 
this has been really important um aspect hasn't it cows on tour do you want to just tell us briefly about that yeah well you, you got well and truly roped in <laughs> i did <laughs> i uh, certainly I, did i have to say uh you were part of my plan to rope you in before you even realized you were part of my plan. oh no hook lying and sinker ah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah cows on tour started in well, it wasn't long after i suppose the sos dairy campaign in 2012 was was a bit of a springboard for it but uh we really got going towards the end of 2013 uh, by that time i'd done a leadership course and i had signed myself up to do open farm sunday which is a very scary thing to do but very necessary mm. very proud to be a, a farmer who stood last um and then i was contacted a few months later by the son of a farmer down the road who was living up in london he was going to visit the school and talk about food and farming and he wanted to borrow some of my open farm sunday resources and at the time I was doing a leadership course that kept giving us the message, you know, you must promote farming, you need to step forward, step up to the mark, um, you know, challenge yourself. Uh, and I, I remember thinking, gosh, you know, th this school was in the middle of, pretty much the middle of London in, in quite a, a low income area, very inner city, obviously. And I thought, yeah, you know, there's a really good story here for the media. I just said, look, would you like a hand? And before I knew it, there were, you know, it's like farmers talk to other farmers. Yeah. Before I knew it, there were 16 of us oh, fantastic. who left London at about 3 a.m. with a livestock trailer on the back with some various homemade resources, including a, a wooden milking cow. No, two wooden milking cows by then. Uh, and a couple of chickens and, well, people's various cuddly toys and a shepherd crook and yeah. not a lot, really. Um, and we arrived in London. We took over the whole school for the whole day. We contacted the media because, again, that's what my leadership course, Dragway Academy, and we were we were a roaring success. So we'd only been on Twitter for a couple of months, and yet we reached half a million people. Oh my um, gosh! I always think you need to amplify your message. So obviously, we we spoke to the media, but I made sure we were well well, well prepared. So we went up there with the full support of NFU Cymru, and they sent. Stella, the fantastic oh, Stella. Stella. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are an awesome team. Uh, she, she manned the, the media for the whole day, which was very important. So we reached a half a million people on Twitter. We were covered by ITV News Wales, ITV News London, Radio 4, the local radio stations, local papers. We had a special mention in the Senate. Oh, wow. As something that farmers should be doing. And probably, the, well, definitely the best thing of all was the son of the farmer who got in touch with me. He had an uncle who was in my area who did a milk round and he took on i think it was 12 extra customers off the back of the goodwill from what happened on that oh, day fantastic um and people just kept talking about cows on tour and, and i realized that we were going to have to do it again and we did we went back a year later to the same school uh and then after that perhaps you know you should always take the criticism but it was a little bit of a surprise at the time we were getting criticized that we weren't focusing enough on wales um, so we started to focus on Wales and, and do some Welsh schools um, and it went from strength to strength really and then we ended up with the road show. Wow, <laughs> yes, a week on the road. Oh gosh, that I'm was... not sure we did that. Oh, that was epic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd always, I feel like, a bit like Martin Luther King now, I had a dream. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Sir. Again, on, on the, the leadership course that I was on, went out to Brussels. And out there, we ran into the Agricultural Minister for the Netherlands. 
Post was talking about how this minister had come into power, and it turned out that he was he was basically a nobody without being disrespectful to him, but he was a farmer's son, he didn't have a profile at all, um, and he decided one day he wanted to become agricultural minister. So what he did was he hitched a trailer onto the back of his truck, loaded a vintage tractor onto the back of that to make himself stand out, and he towed it around the Netherlands. <laughs> and he gathered as much support as he could. And I came home from there thinking, what if we applied that to the agricultural industry in Wales or, or GB, yeah. which would be the ultimate, and if we towed some sort of float around Wales and drummed up as much support as we could for Welsh agriculture and then after you know with, with cows and sort of well I thought gosh you know could visit a school every day and run and do all these things and 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 we did <laughs> yes we certainly did <laughs> that was uh yeah and we certainly got a lot of attention with all the uh, fiberglass uh, animals on the yeah. back of the trailer and the uh, cow print vehicles as well towing it <laughs> yeah it, it was it that was okay that was you should never as much as I said that was the idea I had, that doesn't mean that that was the reason for the success, was having that idea. The success was the fact that, what were we, 12? A lot of us completely unrelated people <laughs> yes. who came together in good faith and said, we're all going to do this. Mm. A lot of us didn't know one another at all. We were from all across the country, especially uh, Lowry, when you think she's from yes. North Wales. into North Wales. Uh, just said, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to take all this time off work. We're going to give us all this effort to rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, sleep. you look at Becky, who's, uh, you know, obviously she's heavily involved with the young farmers, but she's not working in the farming industry, and she was right beside us. Oh, completely. Um, but also um, it was the volunteers as well in each um, oh. area that just came out to help. Just like, here's, um, here's a task, make it happen. And they did and just rolled with it, didn't they? And bringing yeah. livestock and, oh, just it, amazing. It's so unbelievable. It almost makes my head explode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Makes know, me want to cry about how, uh, like, just all these people and, you know, them, yeah. the, the team and and just seeing, like, you know, the kids wasn't it like the children really enjoying it and just getting yeah. a lot from it you just can't you can't even quantify the feeling that that week gave and mm. those 216 volunteers that came out of nowhere in complete faith and said we're going to back you yes with yeah. just you know and all the all the businesses that sponsored us I think of our main sponsor which was Aberystwyth Uni the Royal Welsh Agricultural Society then come in behind said yeah here you go we're going to give you some money and you get on and you do it because we believe in what you're doing and yeah and the know, faith Aberystwyth in that University and Igers were the, were the first people to step up and say go for it gang we did we did we certainly did a lot of fun on the way and obviously you know the pre uh, pre pre tour stunts as well they were going down the zip world <laughs> still there and then taking the cow up Snowdon. I mean, that, I think, for me, that was seeing those people carry a cow up Snowdon, a fiberglass yeah. cow, uh, if you haven't seen it. That, just sort of seeing that was just amazing for me. And all the, those people, I think, was it 60-odd people coming together? And again, some people who were like, I've been told to come and carry a cow. <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> yeah. 
She was very heavy. <laughs> Good job those broomsticks. <laughs> I know. To help her up. I'd love to know you and it was amazing. I'd love to do it again this year, but I think people will get bored. So we'll give it a little rest and then uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Cool to go again. But I'd like to see it go down zip fold again. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was the best yeah, thing. Might have to be repeated at some point. I think the bowl next time. Yeah. Farming then. Can you sum it up in a few words? So what does it mean to you? Incredible, fun and precious, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's anything and everything. It, the, the one thing that I've learned over the last 12 months is what makes it what it is well for me anyway is is my community yes and we are so rich to have the people that that we have in this industry i i definitely underestimate it and when i look around i, I look around my farm and i see the presence of of the community everywhere i obviously you see the work of family and staff on the farm but you see the work of of the businesses that are involved with you you see the work of the, the people that have come to help you when you've been struggling or uh, you know, you go in the house and you see the, the trophies from the local herd competition or mm. um, the pictures or, or, or whatever it may be. And you realise how rich our community is in, in spirit. And it's it's genuinely amazing. And, you know, I, I love it. Yeah, no, I would have to agree. I think the community, the farming community is just amazing. I think they're, well, I think, you know, all heroes, really, um, in my yeah. eyes, certainly. On that note, I think... I would definitely agree with you. So thank you ever so much, Abby, for your time this evening. Thank you. And uh, really nice to have that chat with you. Um, but I am just a bit, uh, after you saying about the uh, the Norwegian agriculture minister who dragged a trailer around, is that aspirations then, Abby? Are we going to see you as uh, Boris's sidekick running the agriculture? Is that what you were like hinting at there? First of all, cows on tour. Next, she's in being sworn into Parliament. Yeah, I'm not too sure I want to get that